Good morning, Recovery House of Worship. So grateful to see you all. Yes. And God is with us. And he is for us. And we're going to experience his direction and leading today as we start this new series. I'm really excited about it. So let's pray, because it's appropriate to pray. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for this opportunity to be able to come together and actually uh, be reminded that you are greater than our circumstances. You are greater than the things around us, than the things in our nation. But Lord, not everybody knows this. So we pray for the Gowanus Projects, and we pray for Brooklyn, and we pray for Queens, and New York, and Staten Island, and we pray for, Lord, all the places that were deeply affected, Manhattan and the Bronx. We pray for the East Coast, Lord. There was several states And so, Lord, we ask that you would just be a comfort to those people during this very difficult time, Lord. That you would, they would experience your love as neighbors come and share blankets and share electricity and share uh, uh, provisions together. Father, we pray that this nation would grow closer together and not farther apart. That we would grow closer to you and not draw from you during these tragedies that must happen. And Father, we pray that you would use us, that others would know the love of Jesus, that they would feel the hugs of Jesus with our arms. They would experience the encouragement of Jesus with our lips, that they would know the provision of Jesus with our stuff, because you've used your church for your glory. I pray that the whole uh, world, and certainly New York, would experience that through us. Thank you, O God, for the incredible work that you did through this congregation for the Gowanus Projects as they give out, as this congregation gave out flashlights and things for them, Lord. I just, I praise you for that. And I praise you for what you did in Staten Island with the bags and bags and bags of stuff, clothes and things that were given away to those people there. Lord, you are a God of provision and a God who is present. And so we thank you. Lord, we also pray for our country. We pray for uh, the politicians. We pray, Lord, for uh, President Obama. I pray that you would give him wisdom and uh, fortitude and a desire to grow in love love with you and uh, find your direction on things. Lord, I pray for Mitt Mitt Romney, that you would uh, lead him and guide him in love with you and that this would be, even in these last few days, this would be an election of civility and a, and a people of civility, uh, not throwing stones, but, Lord, trying to serve you. I pray that for our politicians. I pray that for ourselves. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I love the sovereignty of God. I love that God is in complete and utter control all the time. Um, we experience this in small ways. We experience this in big ways. Um, but one of the small ways is that... Uh, this, uh, this series that we're going to have right now, the sermons that were planned for this series were planned months ago, long before any storm warning. Longer. We had a creative meeting months ago. We actually, the only thing we had to do was change the name of the series. Um, it was called In the Mix, and the, the, the premise of the series is that God is in the mix. God is in the, the places of pain and difficulty, suffering and, and, and tragedy in our lives. And so all we had to do was just change the, uh, the, the title of the series. So we changed it from In the Mix to uh, After the Storm. 
But it's the same sermons, it's the same scripture, it's the same things. Because we know that there is a God who's with us and for us, and we also know that you and I are going to go through pain, difficulty, and suffering. I, I, I wonder if I have to preach that to anybody. Is there anybody who doesn't know that, right? That, that, for as long, that being a Christian doesn't res- exempt you from pain, difficulty, stress, struggle, strife, sorrow, uh, from the ocean swelling up and swallowing your house, uh, from the lights not being on, from not being able to get gas. Or just, just Christians aren't exempt from these things, but they are promised that there is a God who will walk with them during those things. So we're starting this new series. I'm very excited about it. We've got a lot to do. got a lot to do. So we're going we're gonna to start this series and um, uh, see how far we can go. Um, one of the things... Uh, in, in tragedy is that we all experience it, right? That's, that's, if you don't know Jesus, if you know Jesus, if you're deeply uh, religious, if you're completely irreligious, here's what I know about you. You're going to suffer. You're going to experience pain. The first time I experienced suffering and pain was I was about five years old, and my mom and dad um, told me to go into my aunt's bedroom uh, to get a truck that they had for me. And I went uh, to look for the truck. It wasn't there. I came out, and they weren't there either. They didn't come back. They didn't come back for months and months and months and months and months. It felt like an eternity. But I remember when I went, that, that was the first storm that I went through in my life. And there was two questions that popped into my five-year-old mind, right? Um, one is, God, where are you? Right? What's this? I wasn't ready for this. And then, God, what are you doing? <laughs> where are you and what are you doing? And you know, uh, many decades have passed by since then, but when tragedy strikes my home, you know those same two questions pop up? God, where are you? And God, what are you doing? So those are the two questions that we're going to answer today. Now, when we do series here at the Recovery House of Worship, it's different than, uh, when, we do seri- than when series you see in different churches because we don't try to answer all the questions in one sermon. We try to, each sermon interlocks and builds on the last. You saw that in the last series. You'll see that in this series. So today you might leave with more questions than you have answers. Which is fine. You need to come to next week as we uh, put the pieces together. And then the week after that, it's going to be a four-week series. So I just want you to make a commitment to yourself that you're going to come to every week of this series so that you can learn and see how God works in our lives during the midst of our suffering. Okay? So just kind of make that commitment in your mind. And we're going to go... Today, we're going to discuss these two questions. God, where are you? God, what are you doing? Because in... It's funny... For most of us, we could go through just about anything if we just understood what God was doing, right? right? If, if, if my job just laid off a bunch of people, it's easy for me to go through it if God sort of knocked on my door and said, Ed, listen, you know, things are going to get a little bit tight around here. It's going to be a little bit rough. But in a year and a half, I'm working out some issues in your character. I'm giving you some training so that you could get a job that pays three times as much. as you." Then I'd be like, Psh! I'll go through this no problem. Thank you, Jesus. You know, high five. Love the sandals. Right? Like, it was just like, it'd be easy to go through it, right? 
be easy to go through it if God did that. But watch this, watch this. That, that, that's not what happens. God instead says this, knock, knock, knock. Do you trust me? Can you define what you mean by trust? No, do you trust me? Well, that's yet to be seen, I suppose. So today, again, we're going to answer two questions. Now, I don't have to tell you about what happened to me at five years old for you to understand what a storm is. If I took this microphone and passed it to the person sitting in your seat, you would be able to share your story of woe and heartache. Some of you would share a story of losing a loved one. Um, uh, Pastor Raymond's sons uh, just lost uh, today their grandfather, Nicole's father, their mother's father. Um, so every day, and, and, and that's not just them, right? You, you've experienced loss of a loved one, right? Or if I passed this microphone, some of you would share your heartache about losing a loved one. Some of you would share about a marriage that you thought would be forever, and, and out of nowhere, they just came in and said, I don't love you anymore. Some of you would be able to express your heartache with a child who had gone in the opposite direction than the one that you had planned for them. We'd all be able to express. Well, some of you would talk about the doctor who said, um, sit down for this one. Sit down for this one. And how he explained the, the, the terminal condition and the brevity of life you just couldn't believe your ears. You don't need to hear my stories. You've got your own. And God knows that you and I will have our own stories of storm and woe and difficulty. God, why can't I overcome this addiction? God, why did she have to die? Some of us were, are asking God, God, why did they have to die? Why, why did they have to die? They died so young. They had so much energy. Why did they have to die? And then some of us, you know, you have a parent who's senile and you're going, or, or suffering, and you're going, God, why don't you, why haven't you taken them already? It's not a bad thought to think. It's just you see them suffering and you go, God, take them. Why are you letting them live? It's such a terrible place for them to be. All of us have been there. God sees our heart. God sees our woe. God knows the brokenness of our lives. And he says, I'm not going to leave you without instruction. I'm not going to leave you without something to help you to understand, to get through, navigate through the pain of life. He actually puts it in his word in many different places. Today, we're going we're gonna to study the most Famous text probably in the world. Maybe next to John 3.16. Maybe that's the only one that's more famous than this one. But you've, you've heard this text. If you haven't been to church in the last 10 years, you have this text memorized. And so we're going to stand to our feet. We're going to read God's word. And we're going to see what God has to say. Because God has a lot to say about our suffering and how we can navigate through it. But listen to me. This is not for the person you wish would have came to hear this message. This is for you. This is for the person wearing your shirt. 
It's for you. So we're going to read it all together. We're going to read the first four verses of Psalm 23. Some of you won't even have to look at your sermon maps or Bibles. You just have it memorized. We're going to read it from the King James Version, um, because I think it's the most known. And uh, we'll, we'll start from here on the count of three. Everyone together. We'll all read together. First four verses of Psalm 23. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. May God bless the hearing and the reading of his word. Please be seated. Okay, so what we see here is the psalmist, David. Traditionally, um, uh, the scholars have believed that David wrote this psalm. This is David. David, who was promised a kingdom and for the next 13 years was given a cave. David, who had a kingdom to rule and then had that kingdom split apart by nobody less than his son, who tried to take his own life, to try to take David's life. David, who saw pain and woe and difficulty throughout his life, he looks back, reaches back through the corridors of time and says, I remember a good God. I remember a God who's provided for me, a God who's loved me, a God who's taken care of me, a God who's gotten me out of the thick of things when things were quite thick. So he says, David looks, and he says, the Lord is. Could you imagine, you know, I I have a journal, right? And sometimes uh, in my journal I write, and then I stop writing, and 30 minutes pass, and then I pick up my thought, and then another 20 minutes pass. Could you imagine how much time passed when David said, the Lord is. Ah, God, you are like, what shall I liken thee? What are you like? Like, what is the Lord is? And David thinks about a picture of God that he could possibly declare. Because remember, these are the Psalms. They're songs. These were meant to be sung. These were meant to remember God. And so the Psalms comes in, David writing down. He goes, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. That's what he is. The Lord is not a shepherd. He's my shepherd. Now, here's the problem. In Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx, how many people know shepherds right now? Who knows shepherd? Like, go ahead, raise your hand. Tell me how many you know. His name is Jose, right? Meliquan, any, right? Okay, there's like one of us, right, who who would know or met a shepherd. I've never met a shepherd before in my life. I've, I've met a couple of farmers, right? But I've never met, like, a shepherd of sheep. That's just, right? They don't have them on, you know, Fulton. They don't, I don't see too many of them, right? And that's the problem. There's a divorce between when David is writing this, the culture that he lives in and the one that we live in. Let me tell you a couple of things about shepherd that you may not know that people would have automatically picked up. The Lord is my shepherd. 
See, here's what David knew. David was a shepherd. And here's what David knew. David knew that if you were going to be a shepherd, there was a couple of things that you had to do. You had to guide and you had to protect. Listen, don't forget, because the Lord is my shepherd. And David likens God to a shepherd. He's doing this illustration. Why? Because he wants us to remember. He wants us to know. He wants us to keep in mind that the Lord is my shepherd. He will guide and he will protect. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That means he'll give me the provisions that I need. Now, we're going to race through this first three verses because we're going to spend quite a bit of time in verse four. But I never want us to be the church that just gets into one verse and discards the rest because I, I think that we run into mistakes that way. We, we start thinking that God says, most of us, if we ever got angry at God, we got angry at God for things he never said he would do. He's like, God, I thought you said I was supposed to be happy. I never said that. God said, I want you to be holy. Oh, happy? No, God, I'm not happy in my marriage. Good, your marriage is not for happiness. It's for your holiness. Oh, but God, I'm not, I don't feel you. Good, I wanted you to rely on my word by faith. You see, there are certain things that we pick up from society that are not necessarily true about God. And so I, I, I want us, as your pastor who loves you, I want you, to, I want you to be in God's word, not making it say what you want it to say, but understanding what God wants you to know from his word. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be a one. That means he'll bring provision. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That means he'll bring me to the place that, um, of provision and comfort. Not necessarily comfort, but provision. He leadeth me beside still waters. That means he'll give me the refreshment that I need. Don't you get tired sometimes? Don't you need God to refresh you? It's what we were talking about last week, remember? We said that, um, that, that Jesus, as he washes our feet, right, that, that, that we are filled by Christ so that we can be poured out for others. He fills us up. He um, leads us to still waters so that we might be refreshed. He restoreth my soul. Don't you just need that sometimes? Have you ever just like gone through the day and just said, I can't have one more thing happen? In fact, I'm not even going to answer my phone because if one more thing happens today, it's going to be, I mean, it is rough. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Now, I want you to see this. Because it's going to help us to answer our two questions of where are you, God, and what are you doing? Here it is. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Listen to me. He, God doesn't lead you in the paths of righteousness so that you can get what you want. Does that make sense? In other words, I, God is not leading. God, I'm going to do your will, so give me the girl. Oh, God, I'm going to do your will, so... Make the kid, you know, fly straight. God, I'm going to do your will, so uh, uh, make the job work out okay. Make the finances come in. Make the health better. Make the, no, 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 no. Listen to me. Listen to me. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's for his glory. See, most of us, when we suffer, we don't understand. We, can't, we don't have even a compartment for this in our mind. That when... We look for solutions. We can't find it in our own joy because our joy is kind of topsy-turvy, isn't it? 
Sometimes you get joy, sometimes, or not joy, but sometimes you get happiness, sometimes you feel great, sometimes, you know, your relationship is working out great, sometimes it's not. It's just up and down. So it's not for your joy, because if you look there, if you go, oh, I'm going to look for my happiness in this circumstance, and then you don't see it, you go, oh, forget you, God. No. Can God get glory from this? Well, sure he can. You know, I get hit by a car and I can't move anything from my shoulders on down. Do you think God can get glory from that? Absolutely. Absolutely. My wife leaves me and finds someone else. Do you think God can get glory in my life from that? Absolutely. Now, I'm not asking God for any of those things, but you understand what I'm saying. God can get glory. It's for his namesake. Too much, too many of us are living for our own comfort and not for his fame. And I just want us to change our mind about that. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, for his glory, for his fame. And then this is the verse that we're going to spend the rest of our time on, verse 4. It is the verse that this entire psalm hinges on. It is where David stops speaking about God in the third person. You know what it is to speak about God in the third person? It's almost like um, if I'm talking to Gary here, and I say, hey, Gary, you know Susie? Yeah, Susie, she's working and she's doing this. Now, I'm, I'm the first person because I'm speaking. I'm speaking to Gary. He's the second person. The third person is the person we're talking about, Susie, right? Some of us have a relationship with God like that. He's the third person. He's like, oh, God, yeah, I know about him. He's cool, you know, he's like, you know, he's big, right? He's like a big God, and he's like strong and powerful, and I think he holds the world in his hand. I think I heard that song when I was a kid. And that's about as much as I know about God, but there's no personal relationship. There's no personal interaction. He doesn't, he doesn't correct and change and, and, and move and navigate your life. He's a principle or a concept and an abstract one at that. God is like an abstract concept that he's sort of out there, but he doesn't, he doesn't affect my nine-to-five job. He doesn't affect my relationship with my girl. He doesn't affect anything. In fact, I do what I want to do, but I'd like God to be there occasionally to help me out when I mess up. And David turns from he to thou. He turns in, in verse 4 from an abstract to a personal God. It's powerful. And here's what he says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Here's here's what I want you to see from this text. It's our big idea for today. You want to know what our big idea is today? Here it is. I am protected by his presence. We see in this verse the question, the answer to the first question we ask, where God, where are you? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Where is God when we suffer? He's with me. God, you're with me. You're closer than my perfume. You're, you're more intimate than a lover. You are with me. That's the answer to the... God, where are you? Right here. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. You're not walking through Death's Valley. Have you ever experienced walking through Death's Valley? I have. I did this week, I was in... Uh, uh, it's like God likes to give me illustrations in the most severe way. 
Um, I, 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 who thought that this storm was going to be like this? After the last storm, I was like, this, you know, and it was, it was funny. It was funny. Uh, you know, everybody who I loved said, don't go back to your neighbor because everybody knows that I live across the street from the, uh, from the beach. Yeah, from the ocean. And so they were like, don't go, don't go. And I was like, oh, it's going to be nothing. I'm going to get tons of work done. My sister talked me into getting my family, you know, bringing them to church or her house. I was like, all right, you guys are worry warts. All right, I'm going to bring them. Did all that, drove back there, right? And I tell you, when the wave broke through the boardwalk, I was like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, my. I said, I should have listened. And so I started to, I got in my car, I was like, Psh, I'm out of here, you know, my boy. So I put the car, and I started to drive away, and the car got submerged underwater. By God's grace, uh, there was a police officer who was there, he said, what's wrong, the car is dead, he drove me, he could only drive me about four, four blocks away from my house. It was dark, the water was just under my waist, and I'm sludging as the pieces of what used to be the boardwalk are hitting. They're huge beams. Are hitting up against my legs. And I'm walking these four blocks. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's the boardwalk. That's the front of my house. The entire boardwalk caved in. Um, Louisa, her mother told me. And Louisa doesn't, but the, not only did the basement get flooded, the first floor, we even have pictures of her place. Um, uh, this is the nine steps from getting to the second floor, which is the, their, their, their house is only that. Nine steps from getting to the last floor. Could you imagine? Right? Listen to me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Have you ever been there? Where you feel like this is it. I can't go any further. I'm done. I'm scared. Life is over. Yay. Though maybe for you it wasn't uh, like felt like you were going to die. Maybe you felt like it was a death of a relationship. I don't think that this is going to get any better. Maybe it was sickness. I don't think I'm going to get any healthier. But I, I, I tell you, I was coming back. I was, I was coming in the, the water that was up to almost my waist. And I was walking through... And I got in, and I couldn't believe when the, uh, when the trailer park, trailer house just got crushed by a wave, fell over, and was heading towards our house. I said, oh, man, we're dead. And, and, you know, the, the whole block is dead. Like, if that thing hits us, we're dead. And I prayed, and I remember God gave a strong wind to the right, and the trailer wound up blocking our driveway rather than hitting our, uh, our building. So it literally went around our corner. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I started to think to myself, I started to pray, I said, God, I I certainly can't die like this. I cannot die like this. The guy who had a series, 11-week series on wisdom, cannot die by not taking the people's uh, uh, suggestions. I was like, no, this is like, I need to die like saving somebody's life. I need to, this cannot be it. Like after 11 weeks, oh, wisdom, 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 wisdom. And then go, okay, I ignore everybody's suggestions and do what I want to do. I was like, this cannot be it. But I literally, I literally thought I was going to die for a few hours. I started to write to my wife and my kids and give them instruction and stuff. And then I put that in my school bag. I gave instruction to the elders for you guys because I love you very much. But I, I thought for sure I was going to die. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Listen to me. I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. And so even if I died, I, I was like, and, and I told God, I said, listen, get me to my family or take me home. But either way, I know you're with me. You're with thou art with me. And in your time of circumstance, and in your waiting, and in your pain, and in your suffering, when you, at, from the belly, cry out a, a just sort of primordial cry, God, where are you? Remember, thou art with me. Thou, you, God, are with me. Art right now, this moment, with, connected to, embracing me, with me, the person who's crying out to you. Thou art with me. It answers the question, where, God, where are you? Thou art with me. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What is God doing? That's the second question we have to answer. Here it is. God is using his means, his tools, to protect us. So here's the big idea for today. I am protected in your presence. Now, the rod and the staff for the shepherd was the tools of the trade. It was what the shepherd used in order to defend and guide and lead the sheep. You and I are sheep. Somebody say sheep. Sheep. Yeah, you and I are sheep, right? And we're not that smart, and so we need God's wisdom and guidance to direct us to the place that he needs. Now, I got a ghetto sheep staff, right? (laughs) This is your tithing dollars at work. Um, All right. So, this is a staff. Now, use your imagination, okay? Use your imagination. Um, this is the, the rod and staff. Now, you know this because you've heard what I'm about to say before. God is like a shepherd who uses a rod and a staff. And there's two ways that God will do it. He will, God will get you to go in his direction by hook, come here lovingly, or by crook. Come on. Get going. Move. I want you to move in this direction. I want you to get into this. Right? So lovingly, come on, listen to the suggestions. Don't go back to the Rockaways. Right? Or by crook, building falling down. Oh, God! (laughs) Please, por favor, have mercy on fools. So, I got to thinking, well, what are the... What are the tools of God's trade? What does God use to protect us, right? Because remember, the big idea today is that I am protected in his presence. What we're going to learn today, everything that I want to say is pointing to, I am protected in God's presence, that God can protect me, and God will protect me, and he is present with me. I am protected in his presence. But what are the tools of God's trades? What's God's hook or crook? And so there's a few things. You know, there's our devotional life. 
God will give us wisdom, guide us, lead us through our devotional life. That means spending quiet time with God. What's a devotional life? That means when you open the Bible, you got a pen in your hand, you got a notebook open, because you're going to write down whatever God speaks to you. And so if God speaks to you like he spoke to me through a very dark time, he spoke to me through this verse. I'm not telling you stuff that I learned. I'm telling you stuff that I experienced. That in the darkest, darkest times of this year, God gave me this verse. Edwin, I'm with you. Just, just reminded me that when my anxieties came up. So how did God do that? He did that through my devotional time. He spoke to me through his word. So I read his word and something pops out and I just write about it. God, is this what you mean? And I, it's, it's helped me more. And, and that's, God gives you wisdom and direction. He says, he says, no, 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 now listen. I need you to pursue that relationship. I know it's difficult, but I need you to pursue it because I'm going to do a work in your life. Or he says, get out of Dodge. That's not the relationship for you. Either way, God will direct through our... That's, that's, that's his hook. That's his lovingly drawing us to himself. You know how, what other uh, hook God uses is these church services. Now, you know, please, I hope you know, we've said it so many times, the church is not this building. The church is not this address. You're never going to church. God forbid, you're bringing the church. You're bringing the church. As a matter of fact, thank you for bringing the church to this address today because this room is just a room when you're not here and we're not learning. What is the church? The church is the group of people who meet for, to hear the word of God so that we might do the will of God for the glory of God so that the world might know who God is and fame his name. That's what the church is. And so we meet together so that we could hear God's word and fellowship and learn what God has, would have us do and prompt each other to good works. So that's another hook that God will use you. And I want to, and, and I'm preaching to the choir because you're here, right? <laughs> right? The, the people who are not here need to hear this next point, right? Because you're here. So remember to tell those other people, all right? But just for your own walk, listen, don't deviate from gathering with the saints. Don't do it. Just, it's one of the things. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me after a service and said, God, you know what? That's exactly what I needed to hear. God spoke to me through his word. It just, it happens all the time. You know why? Because people show up and they make themselves available to God speaking to them. So that's another hook. Well, a, a crook that God uses, right? It's not the hook, not the loving thing because you didn't learn. Now there's some consequences here. Some hook, the, the, the hook that God, uh, the crook that God uses is painful circumstances. He goes, he goes, please stay away from that girl. Stay away from that girl. I know she's, oh, I know she's pretty. I know she, you want to be with her. I know she says sweet nothings, but she's not proven to be faithful. So please stay away from her. And you go, no, no, I'm going to do because God, you know. Have you ever told God things he didn't know yet? Have you ever told that? I've done that. Right? I go, right? So you go, so God says, no, no, don't go with that guy, you know, because he's going to, you know, he's proven himself. He's not healthy. He's proven himself. And you go, but God, I'm not getting young, any younger. And God goes, oh, my God, I forgot. I didn't know you weren't getting any younger. You're getting older. What was I thinking? Go with the guy. Of course. Yeah, have you ever done that? Have you ever told God, you know, but God, if I don't cheat on my taxes, how am I going to get the money that I need? And God's like, oh, that's right. I don't own a cattle on a thousand hills. Where else would you go to ask for money? Of course you should steal that. <laughs> have you ever told God things he doesn't know? I've done that all the time. 
And, and, and so, so when we don't obey God's leading, when we don't obey God's direction, when we don't obey, we experience the consequences, not because God is trying to get us or hit us with a whip, but because that's what God was trying to avoid in our lives in the first place. And so he'll allow painful circumstances to be in our lives. And listen to me. And he's working on our behalf. It's for your good. Why? How do I know this? Because I am protected in his presence. I am protected in his presence. God is using his tools, he's using his hook, and he's using his crook to protect me in his presence. But you know what I find? I find that Christians don't desire God's protection or presence. They desire what they want. And it's foolish. Now, um, I, I wanted to illustrate this idea of protecting in his presence. I am protected in his presence. That's the big idea for today. What are, what are we supposed to learn today? That I am protected in his presence. And I figured, I didn't know how to illustrate this, but and then it came as I was in a, a brainstorming meeting with Pastor James. Um, so uh, the guys who are going to do the illustration, come up, please, come up. Uh, we're going to do this. We did this in the first morning uh, service, and it, we did it with, like, volunteers that we picked out of the crowd, and nobody knew what I was doing, so I'm going to try it again. Okay. So, um, okay, so, okay, so, uh, Lewis, you're going to stand right here. Lewis, yeah, right, Lewis is not going to speak anymore, and um, he's going he's gonna to stand right there, and listen to me, Lewis represents me and you. That's who Lewis is, okay. Now, these men, right here, you're going to stand right there, and you're going to stand right there, okay. These re- men represent God. Right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. We do not serve three gods. We serve one God. One, um, uh, one God, uh, three persons, right? And it's, but it's one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How many gods do we serve? One God, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? So, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You learned that growing up. Now, but I don't have anybody who's a three-in-one. So this is the best I can do, okay? So don't take it too literally. And the illustration breaks down in a little bit, but... Just, all right, work with me. Okay, so now watch this. I am Satan, right? I am going to do my best to get at you because I know that you are, as Satan, I know that you are protected in his presence. I know that God has you protected in his presence. So now what happens is, Satan, if I come at you, God tries to, right? And so God protects, right? And it doesn't allow me to get around. And so you could stay there and try to get around, but you don't, you can't get through. Because watch this, I'm protected in his presence. Listen to me. Here's what I mean. When you're walking in the Lord and you haven't found Mr. or Mrs. Right, don't try to take God's job. Don't say, but God, you don't know. I've got to tell you stuff. You didn't get the memo. And don't, don't do that. And, or, or if you're running out of finances and the job hasn't come through and you're going to get thrown out of the house, don't take the law in your own hands. Don't do illegal things because you're protected in his presence. However, when you disobey God, it's, it's not that God stops being with you. It's just you move out of the protected place. So here's the most famous ways I know, right? So money, it's like your job, right? 
And so Satan goes, Satan goes, hey, you know, I got a great job for you. You only got to do is work on Sundays. And, you know, the discipleship class, you're going to have to give that up. But right, right, right. And it's just comes, hey, don't you? Or, oh, school, oh, you know how important school is. Got to get a job and all that other stuff. So you got to get your education, right? And so you get, you get a little closer. Or, or maybe your things are relationships. So it gets you every time. And so, right, 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 right. And so, and so what Satan does is he comes and he's, now comes, oh, look at this, this relationship, it's going to be great. Oh, yeah, don't worry about it. She cheated on the last four boyfriends, but who cares? Come over here, come over here. She won't do it to you because you're the man. And so, right, so what happens is, right, so now, now I've got you. Now I've got Now I've got you, right? So, listen, now, now, are you still loved by God? Sure you are. Of course you are. Are you still, um, do you, does God still want good things for you? Yes. Of course he does. Of course he does. Listen to me. You're just not protected. Now, you're not in God's hands. Now you're in mine. Listen to me. I am protected by his presence. I am protected. His rod and his staff, they give comfort because they give protection. I am protected in his presence. And when you decide to disobey God for whatever your real God is, right? Because that's all this is. We pursue other gods. We go, listen, some of you, listen, just, hey, hey, don't have sex before marriage. That's what the Bible says. You're like, no, I, I got you. Somebody, hey, listen, don't cheat on your taxes. Yeah, but God, you, who are you going to get to pay my rent? Yeah, I, I, I've been taking care of your rent for the last 15 years. I think I'll take care of it for the... No, no, no. I'll cheat on my taxes. I've got you. Because have you ever done this? Have you ever disobeyed God and then felt a strong urge after all hell broke loose to run back to God? But you go, I can't go back to God now. You know why? Because I got you. And I'm feeding you all sorts of... You can't go after what you did? Come on. Now you're going to run to God? Hypocrite. That's what he does all day long, gets Christians. Listen to me. I'm protected in his presence. So when you're suffering, when you're going through difficult times, when you're tempted, when you're experiencing pain and adversity, anxiety and difficulty, the place for you is not to obey the temptations of Satan to believe that you can provide for yourself better than God can. No, 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 listen, listen. The place for you to be in is in the will of God Obeying, exactly, so that you are protected in his presence. Some of you, listen, some of you have decided, you know what, I just, I'm going to go back to using. Listen to me, gosh, listen, don't do that. You're protected in his presence. Others of you have decided, you know what, I'm just, I don't care what you say about relationships. I'm going to do relationships my way. Don't do that. So, you know what, with my job, you know, I need my job, you know. I got to, you know, yeah, but it's, it, it's making you work on Sundays and you're missing your discipleship group and you're not doing, you know, you're, you're not growing in the faith anymore. Yeah, yeah, but I need this money. Oh, I understand. You, you're not in the protected place. So, thank you guys. That was great. So, listen to me. Listen to me. As you go throughout the week, here, this is what I want, this is what I want from you. For the week, I want you to live out this lesson. Now, as you go through the pain of this week, 
Whatever the pain is, maybe your lights are not on. Maybe you're like me and you don't have any place to stay. Maybe, listen to me, maybe, maybe you lost everything in the storm. Maybe uh, everything is going fine and it's workplace or it's a relational thing. Listen to me. As you go through anxiety, pain, difficulty, I want you to, I want you to say out loud, sometimes even if you have to whisper it, I just want you to be reminded, wait, 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 thou art with me. You know, when, you know, when the anxieties come in and you say, God, but I'm 50 years old and what's going to happen? Just, whoa, whoa, shh, listen. God, thou art with me. When the bills are greater than the finances and the anxiety starts to creep up, I want you to go, wait, 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 wait. These bills are great, but my God is great. Wait, because I remember, thou art with me. I am protected in your presence. Thou art with me. When the relationships don't work out the way you wish they would and you feel all alone and quite tempted to, to move into something else, thou art with me. Throughout this week, I want you to start to develop this habit of being reminded that God is present and protecting, that God is with you and that he's for you. That Listen to me. Thou art with me. As you go through your anxieties, as you go through your fears. And here's the reason why we can trust that God is with us. Does anybody remember when Jesus was on the cross? He screamed out seven things, but one of the most confusing things that he screamed out was an Aramaic sentence. He said, Eloi, Eloi. Lama sabachthani. And it's this. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You ever, anybody remember that? You ever wonder about that? You know that that's a quote from the Old Testament? Do you know where in the Old Testament it is? It's in Psalm 22. Come in, I'm teaching you something about the gospel. Come in, come here, listen to me. Jesus cried out, why have you forsaken me in Psalm 22 so that you and I could cry out, thou art with me in Psalm 23. That Jesus could experience, Jesus could experience alienation from the Father because there was one who did the will of the Father Perfectly, and in every instance, the one who came down and lived the life that you should have lived but did not, and died the death that you deserve to die because of your sins but don't have to. There was one who cried from the cross, having obeyed the Father in every instance, Where have you gone? So that he could pay the penalty for our sin and that you. And I could say, thanks for never leaving. He could say, why have you forsaken me? So that you and I could never say, why have you forsaken me? But so that you and I could say, thou art with me. And you're not with me because I'm good. And you're not with me because I'm nice. And you're not with me because I'm a good Christian. And you're not with me because I give or because I'm not. You're with me because there was one who paid the penalty for my sin. There was one who bought my, purchased my salvation on the cross. It's Jesus. 
It's always about the gospel. It's only about the gospel. It's forever about the gospel. We're able to go through this week saying, Thou art with me, because Jesus said on that day, Why hast thou forsaken me? God has given us Psalm 22, not for you and me, but for the one he would send to the cross to die for your sins and mine, so that in Psalm 23 you and I could say, Thou art with me. Oh, that we would believe that. Now, we're, we're going to experience communion together. And we're going to listen to a, a song. It's on a video. I want you to sit now, but here's what I want you to know. This communion that we're going to experience together, listen to me. Some of you are here, you don't know Jesus. You simply do not know Jesus. You go, you come to church, and you've never submitted your life to Jesus. You could, listen to me. God is you. God is, or rather, God is he. God is not thou. He doesn't affect the decisions that you make. He doesn't affect how you deal with your relationships. He doesn't affect how you uh, 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 assimilate stuff in your life and circumstances. He just, he's not a part of your everyday, day-to-day life. Listen, I don't, I just, in your suffering, he'll be with you. Submit to him. Say, God, I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to just run to him. And, and if you're not sure, listen to me. If you're not sure, anyone that you saw up here, any of the musicians, any of the, they can help you to understand what it means to have a relationship with Christ. If you'd want in your yellow cards, you can put it down. Hey, I, I need a relationship with Jesus. We'll walk you through that. But it's basically this. It's saying, telling God, God, you're right. I'm a sinner. You're right. And I need saving. I need forgiveness for my sin. I need the one who would say, why have you forsaken me? So that I could say, thou art with me. That's for those of you who don't know him. For those of you who know him, I want you to take this time during this video to just confess your sins to him. Is there, do you have a bitterness against someone? Are, are you determined to live in sin? Like, is there a sin in your life that you go, well, I'm not changing that. It's too much fun. I'm not changing that. I want you to repent. Repent. Turn to God. You know what repent means? It means, it means change your mind. It means, you know what, I, believe, I used to believe that this is the right way to go. This is what I wanted to do. I changed my mind. I want your way, God. And even though I feel like I still want that sin stuff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe you. I'm not going to believe my feelings. I'm going to believe you. Then we're going to come together and we're going to take communion together. Do not take it till we take it together. So we're going to listen to a song talking about how God is with us in the storm. We're going to confess our sins during this song. Then I'm going to lead us um, in remembering the broken body and shed blood that Jesus uh, did for us.